Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Welcome back to another episode of Minor Wisdom. This week, I've got Missy Whitus on. Missy is a, a professor at Cincinnati, uh, the University of Cincinnati, CCM. She is also uh, an educator. She's been an administrator. She's done everything you can think of. We talk improv. We talk all kinds of stuff. It was a really great interview, and I got to meet Missy in January at the TTEC festival the convention the first time that the thespian society has done that in texas and it was a great time because went down to do some improv some adult improv and and it was a bunch of teachers and you know the worst student are teachers the worst students are teachers and and every teacher's like i don't want to do this i really don't want to do this but it was either that or karaoke and things were just not happening as quickly as you would like them in order to make karaoke happen. So quite a few people went in and did improv, and I did it. I took part in it. I love doing improv. I love acting. I clearly love talking. So I got to meet Missy. She did a lot of work with us and really helped us out at this convention. She did table talks with people at lunches and just kind of boosted a lot of confidence around that convention with people. And uh, she will be back. She will be back in Texas, whether she likes it or not. This week's joke, an actor walks into a bar and immediately says, Hey, guys, can I get some glow tape on this thing? <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this week's interview, Missy Whitus. Thanks for having me on, man. Oh, man, I, I, it, like, I'm honored. Why do you go from city to city? Why are you the one that's that that's so popular and qualified to do it? You know. Thank. I'm glad you put it that way. My actual undergrad is in music education, and that put me in a couple of public schools where, as per usual, the drama teacher's not there. Right. So you have to, you know, the first school where I taught. It was middle and high school together. It was like a one-shot deal in an itty-bitty little county kind of thing. And they didn't have drama at all. So that started it. And, of course, back in undergrad, um, I was a clarinet player who also played sax. So that allowed me the opportunity to do the musical, right? Mm -hmm. So that was my involvement in in the musicals all the time in college. Um, But then that grew into the next school where – I was just choir, but the musical was my responsibility, right? And the thing is, and this will maybe this is a whole other conversation, but golly, that's one of my biggest pet peeves, and that's one of the reasons that I have such a passion for teachers. Like, I would much rather do a teacher conference than a student conference because a lot of those teachers are in that boat. A lot of those teachers are thrown into the drama situation because administration thinks all we do is sing and dance all day and and just play around with hats right so so by doing that so then that moved into a bigger school where i was um the international baccalaureate supervisor and by doing that having to teach a you know a lot of really 
advanced classes in music and which put me even more in touch with the theater kids, right? Because of it being an IB school. So um, then came back, left that school and these are all public high schools. Then came back to another one shot high school, middle school deal uh, where I was choir and drama. And the, that's an interesting story. So I took that job (laughs) and was told that um, the musical is a big deal at school, right? That's the biggest event of the spring next to prom, blah, 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 blah. I take the job. Two weeks later, I get the budget and the theater budget is negative $200. And so I called the superintendent and said, you said the musical is the biggest thing in the spring. He said, it is. And I said, how am I supposed to do this with negative $200? And he said, I don't know. That's not my job. And he hung up on me. (laughs) But it's your expectation. But it's the expectation. And so that, again, I say all that to say that's why I travel city to city teaching teachers. Mm -hmm. Right? Because I have have an issue with people who teach workshops who maybe only do after-school programs. God love them for doing it. And in, in today's world, we have to. We'll take what we can get. And I don't mean that in the sense that these are unqualified teachers. I don't mean that at all. But the hard part is the difference in... And a teaching artist who comes in for a couple hours, a couple of days a week, and us who are up because we have to do bus duty and we have to do parent teacher conferences and we have to do lunch duty, which we didn't want to do because we've got to go build a set, which we don't have time during the day because we don't have that class awarded to us. So that began my heart for, um, for teaching teachers and and to say there's got to be a better way for us to to create better practices for that type of situation. So a lot of times in my workshops, um, I get teachers who have are also a biology teacher who are teaching theater just because their principal found out they used to do theater. Yeah, or right? or because they also maybe that teacher is selling them and saying, well, oh, there's a stipend. You know, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, um, so in the midst of all of that, started grad school a couple of times, but you know, whatever. And, uh, um, and then moved on. And then finally, in what would happen was I, I've had cancer twice. And in the midst of all of that, taking some sick leave from teaching, um, what really started it was teacher friends of mine saying, "Is it true you're on sick leave? Like that's the word around town." And I said, "Yeah." can you come work with my kids? (laughs) And so for the first time in my teaching career, I had time to do that because I I wasn't swamped in my own program, you know? And so that started and that begat and that begat and that begat. Right. And then from that, um, friends who were in the theater world here in Cincinnati saying, um, Hey, will you come do some of what you do with us as a cast with my team? And so corporately, it kind of began the improv and team, I hate team building, I hate that word, um, creative communication, let's call it, and and things that we as drama teachers know work, Yeah. seeing how they work in the corporate world. So um, in the midst of all that, started the uh, improv program at the Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park, um, 
that was years ago, and then have done improv training at Cleveland Playhouse, both Tony Award-winning houses, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then traveled, and everything from, uh, you know, some of those travel companies that that high schools go through to take their trips to New York, worked for some of those, that if you said while you were in New York you wanted to do an improv class, they'd fly me up there to do that, um, and then corporate stuff. And then in, in, in that mix, UC came along. And so started teaching at University of Cincinnati about five years ago in what's called the PrEP program, which um, is K through 12 and as well as community. We also have what's called the New Horizons Orchestra, which is, I think you have, it's like people 50 and older who've never picked up an instrument. Okay. Yeah, and so that's the kind of thing we do in this program, and I did musical theater voice for a while um, with that, and then UC brought me on to do daytime classes, and so I, I teach screenwriting, how to create a web series, um, and television, and then improv workshops for students of all majors who like last two semesters ago, we did an eight week workshop. Um, right now in this semester, we're on um, our second workshop. So we're getting ready for our second class, that kind of thing. Do you, and that's where we are. Do you have kids that uh, come in that aren't majors that are converts? They, they end up figuring out how to become a major? Yeah, they really, it really does. I have a law enforcement major right now who, who swears that he's only going to get um, his law enforcement degree so they can get out of school so he can go to L.A. and make a movie. Yeah, <laughs> so that he can live the dream. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Start, exactly. start Police Academy 12. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, yeah. So, yeah, so there we go. You've been in the Ohio, the southern Ohio area practically all your life, I've all had... your adult life at least. Um, well, Kentucky, Northern Kentucky, okay, Northern Ohio. Kentucky. Okay. I've taught, as far as my school system work is concerned, Kentucky, Ohio, and Florida. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. did that for a while, so. Interesting. Yeah, so, okay, so you have been in both uh, secondary public education and uh, university style, and, and you see, if anybody's listening to this that is not a theater person that uh doesn't know anything about university of cincinnati their theater program their fine arts program is it the whole fine arts program that's a conservatory or is it just it um yeah and there's actually a, another program called dap which is design and arts and and um that's fine art and fashion and, okay. and that kind of thing and we are linked okay yeah we're very yeah, yeah so it's a it's a pretty serious program though so yeah especially the uh, musical theater right often ranked number one yeah um go back and forth with a couple heavy hitters um and the instrumental program we have a lot like you'll see a lot of orchestra directors who got their master's and doctorate at ccm so your background is in both public and university setting um so what would you like to see public education go to to better prepare a kid for the university life now that you've kind of seen the crossover okay so i think about this a lot and here I, I i can narrow it down to three things and the first one is they have to learn to read and write like it's unbelievable what we're doing in in that the um, here's a great example and i'll leave it at this i had a student come to me in my screenwriting class who was not getting any better and I handed it 
handed the rough draft of the student script back over and said, this is not getting any better. You're not making the changes. What is happening? Why are you not developing things? And the student said, I'm just not that good at writing. Now, mind you, we're on like draft six at this point, right? And I said, you do know that you signed up for a class that has writing in the title. Like, what? so you're, I hope you're here to hope to get better or get out. And then I said to said student, what's your major? To which the answer was creative writing. Which, which, so I was like, this can't even happen. The amount of what they're not reading is, is unbelievable to me. And so when, you know, like I've, I've started to say things to math, like telling math teachers, in math, you need to be reading Curious Incident, right? Um, in, in science, I can help you. There are plays, uh, you know, there's proof and there's, you know, there's all these plays that are around science. Let's do this. Let's get them in. Because if, if they're not going to, if you're not going to read a book per se, then let's see what we can get, we can do, right? Because by the time we get them, they, they've barely read anything. They've barely written anything. And they're going with a sense of, well, I don't feel like it today, right? Which leads me to the second thing. They have to start to learn to do the work. And again, this is where theater kids and performing arts kids have an advantage over this, right? Because you cannot be in the marching band and not be in class every single day, right? You got to do the work. Um, and and it's a big thing with me. My students know it, that I will turn right around and I say, I only made it to page two of the script. You didn't do anything on it. You get a zero. Go do the work. Right. Um, you know, I Tiger Woods has a coach for crying out loud, so they can't they can't expect that that cast of Hamilton just got together a couple of years ago and said, this will be fun and and do that. So it goes back to again, like at CCM, when I when I encounter a, a theater student who wants to go to CCM, I'll say, "Are you exceptional? Because everyone who's auditioning there thinks they are, right?" And of course, that's a story for every place. However, when they go, "Oh no, I like it," and I just started doing theater last year, I'll say, "Okay, bravo, good on you, blessings on your journey." But I need you to know, you're up against kids who've been doing this since they were three. Right. You got to do the work. That's that's a big thing with me. And then the the third thing is they have to learn to multitask and not in the sense of I'm listening to the radio while I'm doing work. Right. Um, the, so I, I'll get a kid in class and they'll say, I'm going to work on my screenplay tonight. Great. I don't believe you, but sure. Go do it. And then the next day um, they might have chemistry class and then I see them the next day. On Wednesday, and they come back and they haven't done the work. And I say, why haven't you done the work? Oh, well, I had chemistry yesterday. Um, yeah, I don't care about that. You have a script due today. And I'm encountering that in every field that I'm going into. And I'm, I'm, I know you guys are in the classroom, too. That they'll, they'll say, oh, well, I didn't do that because English was due. Well, also math is also due. And history is also due. Right. You know, and... And so we're not doing them um, a service at all by saying it's okay. Um, and I and it's applicable in, in what you're seeing in the workforce. So I'm sure you've encountered this. Let's say you're at your local grocery store, you're sitting behind the service desk, right? And you're doing something and uh, paying a bill, exchanging something, what have you. And in doing that, 
the the person behind the desk is helping you, but then the phone rings. And even mid-sentence, they will walk over and answer the phone. And it's because I would bet in their training they've been told, don't let the phone ring. But what they haven't applied to it in the multitasking universe is don't let the phone ring if you're just standing here. Yeah. But if a real-life person is standing in front of you, that is more important at the time. Yeah. Right. And and so that's what we're coming into. So they'll finish the they'll do their assignment on the day that I have class. But if something gets in the way, then that's more pressing. They're not saying, oh, by Wednesday, I have to have a script done for professor and my chemistry lab and this. That's not happening. Yeah. So yeah. it's funny. You know, this is a weird connection, but and, and people down here are going to understand it. But there, so across the street from my school, there's a taco shack, and it's and it's a mom and pop, family owned, very tiny, you know, the size of a New York apartment type of sp type of space. Love and it. they take they print money there. I mean, you know, not literally, but figuratively, they print money. They're right. just so popular. They don't even stay open past two o'clock because they've made all their money during breakfast and lunch. And so his theory, the guy that runs the place, is because they take phone orders. But if you're standing right in front of him and you're ordering or you're coming to pick up your order or whatever, you're even bantering. You could be talking about local sports. He won't pick up the phone. He will just not acknowledge it. And his idea is that, well, if they want me that bad, they'll call back. If they really want me that bad, they'll just show up and order. You know, they've yeah. got to show up and pick it up anyway. Why not add an extra five minutes? So it's the personal connection it's the face-to-face -face connection that he values a lot more which again to go to piggyback off of what you just said and it's right. funny because students that go there whether they're supposed to be going there or not during the school day but you know may i'm going to assume they all go there before school right right but, uh the students that do go there kind of like value his and he's a young guy he's, he's in his 30s he's not a he's not an old dude but he uh he's like kind of vicariously teaching these kids how to have a personal connection with somebody Absolutely. it's crazy a taco shop you know so yeah no, and 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 again we get that we have that advantage in theater yeah right but then as a theater teacher when we go out into you know to a faculty meeting and we say things like well then just get it done so the multitasking thing that's what i was going to touch on mm -hmm. it is it's it's funny that that that's just something that you would say I think a lot of people would, would clearly agree with that but there are even teachers you know that that don't that have not mastered that side right. of education and some are theater teachers too I think yeah. m most theater teachers you'll find are masters of multitasking you know right um you have to be yeah especially those teachers that are the publicist the director yeah. the costumer that yeah all of it so yeah. and it's about creating which which again annoys me and and those of you that are listening i'm skyping with you so you can see me but i'm about so i'm about to do something that you're not supposed to do on radio but it, you know i'm picking up a visual um <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know when i tell kids all the time you have something in the palm of your hand this little device and and mm -hmm. whether it works or not as far as like you know connectivity I don't care. You have the ability to take notes or make lists or put reminders in. You have this now, and I take full advantage of this. Uh, I mean, right. I, I'm crazy 
anal about making reminders now that pop off 15 minutes you know even for this interview it, you know something popped up that said call missy you know uh, right and it right and, and that drives me crazy to no end uh that they have that well, ability I mean, if you think of it in a in a branding sense you have to manage the message or the message gets managed for you Right. So so when a student comes into a, a university situation and their message that they're not managing is I only do one thing at a time and I only do what's important. That's right in front of me. Yeah. Well, that message is managed. Yep. Right? Yeah. Right. And I and I get it. And it's to a place where I'm like, okie dokie. We'll see what happens now. Yeah. Um, so I guess going on, it, this is a good follow up. So what can. What kind of recommendations do you give or or even sort of uh, just any sort of dropping that knowledge uh, that you can give an educator or director? Some of us like to be called educators. Some of us are not educators. We are directors. Um, none of us are none of us are teachers, though. Uh, but right. what 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 can you tell a director, educator, uh, some advice or something that they can improve on? that get their kids prepared for the next level. And that next level could just simply be going on to professional auditions or dropping right. into the community theater, whatever that is. It goes back to, to doing the work, right? Um, I met a student recently who wanted to be an architect. And, and when I asked um, who the said student's favorite architect was, they could not name one. So um, I want I want to look at everybody in that student circle and say, why are you encouraging the architect if you've never heard them talk about Frank Lloyd Wright or whom you know whoever? Um, so that's that's a big thing in the theater world is a kid can't tell you in an audition that they can dance if all they can do is move, mm -hmm. really, right? So I think we need to start being real with kids. Following their passion is one thing, but Realizing that that passion might lead to utter disappointment is an, is something else, right? We all can't be the lead singer, in, and and so I'm not saying that in the sense that they can't be a star, but what I'm saying is is there's a fine line between expertise and ego, yeah, right? And and tone and context form that line, and so if you see a kid who has stage managing ability. I hope you're in, you know, I hope you're really pushing them into that and saying, look, the stage manager is just as important as being Tevya, right? <laughs> if, if not more so. Yeah. And I'm asking you to do this because, because you're organized, because the kids respect you, because you have, you know, a great leadership style that's getting things done. And I think sometimes in our rush to get the show on the stage, we're just putting kids into places. And, and I'm, I'm, guilty of it as well right but if if a kid has a passion for something we really need to be able to look at them and say what do you know about that because a, a kid with a true passion will be able to turn around and tell you that they know more than wicked at hamilton yeah right those are the kids you want to go oh you get this then right and and again the architect's a great example what what made you want to be an architect that you don't know important architects in the field. Yeah. So I would hope that you're that as teachers we're also taking the opportunity to to 
yeah, we got to get the show on the, I mean, we got to get the show on the stage, but are you using it as an opportunity to teach Broadway history? Are you using it as an opportunity to, to explore uh, what the stage manager does and their importance to the fight scene of Romeo and Juliet? Right. And, and so, because I think so often we just allow the students to think they know. And does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, I don't want, I don't want lawnmower parents coming after me saying, don't tell my child they can't dream. I'm not yeah. saying that. You know, Mike Rowe, oh, like yeah. the dirty, dirty jobs. Yeah. 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 I have a man he, crush on him. Oh my gosh. I'm with you. Yeah. I would. Well, shoot you, yeah. You have a, actual crush i have a yeah real one yeah <laughs> i just put his voice on my voicemail hi missy it's mike like that's what I'm like. um and the man can sing he's a dreamboat yeah. anyway so but his that's his thing is that college isn't for every kid and then we don't need to be pushing college for every kid but he's also about let's be real like you've got to put food on the table i'll give you this example okay so i saw one of my college kids the other day and i said hey how's it going you getting ready to graduate yep all right who do you, where are you going to go? LA, of course. So heaven forbid you stay in Cincinnati and make a movie. I mean, you know, Redford was here recently. Willis was here. Mark Ruffalo's here right now, but don't stay here. That's fine. So, um, which again is our fault, right? We need to be saying Cincinnati's right. making tons of movies right. and winning awards. So stay, stay here. Um, so going to LA and I said, who do you know? And the student said that they knew someone out there. And I said, well, I say to your colleagues all the time, you better know where all the Starbucks are. To which the student said the same thing other students have said before. Oh, why? Because of the free Wi-Fi? <laughs> and I said, no, because you're going to be the assistant to the assistant to yeah. the assistant. The second AD wants a coffee. Yep. So you better know how to get one real quick. Yeah. And they are offended by that. I've had students literally go, Professor, there's oh, – well, that's not going to happen to me. Okay, see you at Starbucks, dude, yeah. when I come out in L.A., right? Like you, you, yeah. There's something to be said, though, about getting your foot in the door, and that's exactly what that is. You just got to – that's how you start networking. So. Right. Oh, we've, we've all been there, but yeah. Exactly. I but, hope that answers your question. Yeah, Did that does. answer? Yes. All of your answers are perfect, Missy. <laughs> Yes, and <laughs> yes, exactly. So speaking of speaking of improv, yes. um, so that's how you and I met. What do teachers think that they will get from your workshops, and then what do they actually get from your workshops? I love that question. All right, so my improv workshops are for the people are for three types of, of teachers. First off, the teacher who thinks it's hard and yet knows that they need to work on it. I also want the teacher who thinks it's easy and that they can absolutely do it because they're going to walk out and they're going, whoa, I don't know what I thought before. And then I also, and this is where my heart is, for those teachers who are suffering improv trauma. And in, and improv trauma is from those workshops where they've worked to a workshop where all it's been is somebody throwing up games at them right. and saying, your, kid will, your kids will love this. And then they play the game and they're out. No. So, so I have three workshops that I do real that are popular around the country. And the first one and the main one is called Jokers Belong with Batman. And 
that one, I think the I think the job I think the description for that is if you're waiting to the last five minutes of class or the end of the year to do improv, you're doing it wrong. Right. Okay. And the whole idea is that a part of the improv trauma as well is teachers who feel like it is chaotic when they do improv. Right. So why come in and learn more games only to add to the chaos? Right. So we'll come back to that one. The second one I give is called stop playing freeze tag. And it's in order. It's kind of more like what you and I did the night that we worked together. Right. It's about how to play the game, why to play the game, when to play the game. Right. Um, And then the third one I give is called uh, the boy band way of thinking, keeping in sync with your students. You're welcome. Unless you've done improv and and unless you have directed it and taught it, think about the situation you're walking into. You're walking into games that are completely open-ended with hormonal teenagers who think that they can now do whatever they want, right? And it, it and I and I get it. And so that's what a lot of teachers think that they're just walking into how to increase that chaos. What they'll leave there with is this understanding of, oh, 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 this is easier than I thought because we start with eye contact. We start with how to teach the concepts. Don't have a hidden agenda. Um, don't steal the spotlight from somebody else. It's all about, you know, I always, I use this example over and over and over again. It's like, whose line is it anyway? Yeah. Whose line is it anyway? Which Colin Mockery calls the burlesque of improv, which makes me laugh a lot. Um, but you never, ever see the introduction. They never say, ladies and gentlemen, Wayne Brady and the rest of the cast of Whose Line Is It Anyway, right? Yeah. Introduce each one specifically. And and that's what's going on is that, you know, so the teachers are dealing with all the kids who want to be Wayne Brady. Whereas if you come to my workshop, what we do is we break it down. We start, like I said, with eye contact, with taking the spotlight off, with – we don't even te- – I don't even get to yes and – yeah. Which I don't I don't call it a yes and I call it a green accept, but I don't even get there till like forty five minutes in. Because we've got to make it so it's manageable. Again, go back to the manage the message or it gets managed for you. So so when teachers come out and all we're gonna do is regurgitate games, they leave there going, Oh, I'm doing this on Monday. Like this makes so much more sense. And that's why too, when we met in um I was doing the lunches, the lunch talks about where you where the question was what improv games can when exercises can you do to prepare for your next show right because again they're not mutually exclusive and and that's the thing they're not you don't isolate each of them you can do spolen exercises to get ready to do the music man you really can it's just a matter of knowing how to do that and so that's it. So come to the workshop. And, and I've had that so many times. I've had so many comments of people who said, I, my, here's my favorite. One time it was at a, one of the national uh, EDTA teacher conferences. And somebody came up and said, so I didn't come to your workshops because um, I just thought it was going to be like every other improv workshop. I said, yep, I get that a lot. And she said, but all my friends went and they're going to all yours tomorrow. Can you sit here and catch me up? and i said um no (laughs) that's not not how it works (laughs) that's not how it works so you go get the notes from your buddies and then you show up tomorrow right you know 
And then the next year at the conference, uh, wherever we were in Nashville, wherever it was, uh, she showed up and came to every workshop. And, and that's the thing. Once, once start to understand that it is manageable, then yeah, let's, let's do it. I'm a teacher. I've been there. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that, that brings people to, you know, all the boys to the yard is that, (laughs) um, (laughs) thank you. Is that I've been there. I've done lunch duty. I've done parent teacher conferences. I've done three shows a year. I know, I know this language. I speak educator. I speak teacher and I speak high school teacher on top of that. And so that's another thing when te- when go, oh, you really, you've lived this life. Yes, I've lived this life. I get this. Yeah. Because you know, a lot of times people see the UC part in the bio and don't read past that. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm bringing the high school to UC, not UC to the high school. Right. That's not, yeah. It, it's making your high school look good, not, yeah, it, not the other way around. What's the, what's the game? I don't remember the title. I remember the game, but what's the game that we played that we were reading the lyrics? What was that one called as, as different Shakespeare people? I call that one lyrical Shakespeare. Lyrical Shakespeare. Okay. I got to remember that because that one and here it started. It got started with, um, there were a lot of British actors on Instagram, I guess like a year and a half, two years ago who were doing 15 second Shakespeare. You probably can still find it on YouTube or something. And they were doing exactly what we did. They were reading lyrics of songs because they're British actors. They, and who are, you know, very learned in the ways of Shakespeare sure. and, and are probably, some of them were even members of the RSC. Then hearing them do some of those were absolutely hysterical. So I've thought about that and thought, how can I adjust that and make that something for our troop to do at the same time, getting asked a lot about, um, genre work and Shakespeare work, and especially in improvised genre and Shakespeare work. And I thought, oh, this is the way to do it, right? This is the way to do it. So when I teach lyrical Shakespeare at a workshop, we talk about um, what are the classic Shakespearean characters, and are you as a drama teacher teaching those, mm-hmm. right? So that the the kids know the balcony esque scene the kids know the unravel the scroll and make an announcement type of thing my favorite is a person one time who did that unravel the scroll and did be our guest (laughs) (laughs) so yeah and like even with the with the education side of things like because if you play that in a theater one class per se or per se uh Uh that maybe they don't know gertrude or they don't know you know there, there are certain characters that that theater teachers do know that they're not going to know. Right. You could do that with stock characters, with the stereotypes. Yeah. Absolutely. Which leads you back to genre work. So it leads you to Westerns, mm-hmm. right? Doing doing the exact same thing in a Western. You've got, are you the school marm or are you the madam or are you the barkeeper? Yeah. Right? Or my, you know, my favorite, and that's the thing, my favorite in a Western, my favorite is a character of like, go get him, Sheriff, you know, that guy. Yeah. Love that. But then if you turn right around, do it as a soap opera. And maybe at that point, you're staying away from the lyrics, but you're starting to say, hey, if we did a soap opera and improv, here's what we need. If we did science fiction, here's what we need. Yeah. But that just leads you back to Comedia dell'Art. That's basically all that is, the stock characters of who they brought with them. That's that. Yeah, lyrical Shakespeare is pretty fun. And like I said, with my troop here in Cincinnati, what what was happening is is our, our audience is very savvy. And I've told... 
teachers is too. If you do an improv show at your school and you continue to play it, they're going to ask for it. So they're starting to, they would, they would do the work. They would do the research knowing that we would play this game. And then as they walk in, we had a, a little hat that they could write in little, the suggestions of a song. And then I would go through them very quickly before the show started and go, Oh, this is good. This is good. This is good. Yeah. Um, pull it out. But here's the other thing. And this goes back to, um, knowing who your kids are and that they all can't be lead singers is that, you know, one of the members of our troupe is excellent at physical work. And so she can do the whole, like on a horse kind of thing. Fabulous. So I, I know which one I want to give her because if I know that that's in her wheelhouse and she might pull that out, she's the only, she's the one that can pull that off. Right. So in the, in the corporate world going, switching gears onto that, uh, sure. how have you seen, your workshops because i i would imagine you've got maybe one or two people in those workshops that have no problem being kind of the quote-unquote class clown and getting right. up there but then you've got the 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 the, the techies <laughs> you know that that version of it that don't want to get up they're shy they're afraid of uh, of embarrassing themselves that kind of stuff have you right. seen your workshops kind of just open up pandora's box um with those white collar folk right they, yeah i the big thing is that I start off that workshop by saying I've been one of you and that if my boss had called and said, we're going to do this, I'd been in the back or I'd have called in sick. And so if they understand that it's written for them specifically that, that I've worked with their contact, I've worked with their manager, I've worked with their team leader and I've read their handbook as much as, you know, their company will allow me to that. I'm, I'm trying to get to speak their culture as best I can. Um, and that it's coming from someone who would have hated their boss for making them do this, then they, they can trust me. Right. Um, I will always have the suits in the back who think that what's the funny girl, what's the short funny girl doing in the front of the room. Um, and inevitably by the time that's over, their jackets are off and they're in playing. Right. Um, but what happens is it's that same kind of, like you were talking about with our, our Friday night or Saturday night, gig is that it's that same kind of engagement right all of a sudden you can't you can't shake a finger at the fact that now a hundred people are engaged yeah and um a lot of times i've been well let me say a lot of times at the beginning i would have to go in because um the contact wanted to make sure that the boss wasn't leery about what i was doing right, right? And there have been so many times that the boss goes, no, I Googled her. I know she, she knows what she's doing. Like I'm, I can't wait, you know, and it's that middle part. And I don't mean like middle management, but it's that middle part that, that causes the stress. Oh, my team isn't going to like this. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I hope we don't get in trouble with the boss. And the boss is like, shut up, get and do it. And like, she's worth the money, you know, like that kind of, <laughs> of thing. I had just recently, um, some, some friends had to go to a, training for their work and they came back from it and said to me we wish they had hired you because it was death by powerpoint yeah it was group work that was buying time you know that kind of thing and they know what i do and they said you know it's not scary engagement it's not you're never by yourself and i always always ask whoever's in charge of announcing that I'm coming to the company, leave out the words improv, leave out the word team building, leave out the word comedy. Don't do it. Yeah. You know, 
um, use the other companies that I've worked with. And, and not only because I worked my butt off to get those companies and to keep them as clients, but if, you know, one of those companies goes, oh, well, she's been to X, Y, and Z yeah. continuously. That's the other thing, too. It goes back to, um, you know, those workshop traumas, right? And so many times, oh, my word, I've had to walk into a company that has suffered in, improv trauma. Right. And so they go, we were hesitant to hire you because we've done this before. And I, and I have always said, all due respect, uh, you haven't done this before. So and I've, I just, I, sorry to cut you off, but I, oh, no, one, of, one of the things that I really enjoyed about your workshop, and this is not me blowing smoke people, um, <laughs> is, is you, you didn't do all the talking like, you know, that, that's one of those, um, things I love about those types of workshops is the, the sit and get workshops, you know, or excuse yeah. me, sit and get, I should be a better theater, you know, enunciation. <laughs> um, but you, you, you actually did the least amount of talking in the workshop relative to who's in the workshop, because you just kind of, you introduce your, your game and the reason we're playing this or, or the exercise and the reason we're doing it. And then you let everybody else do it and you kind of coach it and, and talk them through it. But you're really not talking too much. You know, your your participants are doing most of the work, and uh, I I personally enjoyed that. Clearly, I like to talk, but I I, I really enjoyed that because I thought she's kind of letting us work through this, figure it out. And as an educator, going way back, coming full circle, as an educator teaching your kids that hey, sometimes you have to to, to finish the job, figure out how to get this done. I'm here to make sure you're not going to hurt yourself or fall flat on your face, but really you're the one that needs to, to, to figure this out. Uh, right. And, right. and ownership and taking, taking that kind of responsibility. Yeah. I love yeah. that. So. Thank, oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And, and I recently, I just came back from an improv festival um, just this past weekend and I taught um, a workshop called, so you think you can storytell and it was about story spine and, and scene engagement um, and there were two things that everybody kept pulling away from that. And one of them was that I kept saying, don't forget the audience is part of your story, right? Which is how, again, how I write these workshops for the corporate world. This isn't about me regurgitating my knowledge to you, right? That, that the participants are part of the story that we're going to create there. And then the other thing was the educator perspective of it, which goes back to, you know, meetings where, an expert quote unquote has been called in for whatever. And you and I have sat through many of those meetings when you know that that person hasn't been in a classroom and, and if they were a teacher, it was 25 years ago. Yeah. They're not doing it right now. Right. I get very nervous, very nervous of performing arts teachers who haven't performed <laughs> in a long time. Right. Well, when you're a 22 year old, kid coming out of college and you go into theater education and all you've done is educational theater uh some kids pick up on that and are like what have you done like out in the real world like nothing right. yeah right yeah and and so to be able to say hey kids you know what i did this summer i did a play i haven't done a play in four years yeah. that well, they'll love that yeah yeah you know because it makes it real my my dad's a choir director and 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 when he does a solo, it's very different than leading the choir. Right. 
he could stand there Sunday after Sunday and lead the choir, but he needs to do solo because they need to know that what he's saying in rehearsal, yeah. he's applying and, and living himself. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. And, and going back to the, like the corporate stuff, I, so, you know, my background is very technical. It's very technical theater. I know you couldn't tell in that amazing <laughs> performance that I gave a few weeks ago, but uh, so I've, I've sat through, I don't know why you're laughing, but I've sat through uh, many of, of your, your types of workshops, but as the, as the guy in the background, just making sure your microphone works or your PowerPoint works or, you know, all that stuff where I'm, I'm also extroverted. So I want to get up, and when I see that person that's not performing, the, you know, I want to direct. I want to get up and be like, no, 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 you right. didn't, you know, right. go with the obvious decision. That's okay, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And uh, so I come at it from a different perspective of sitting there biting my tongue, sitting on my or on my hands and trying to just right. let it be, you know. I know you're going to ask yeah. me. I got uh, an answer. Go. What, is it the chili question? Uh-huh. No? Okay, yeah. So, so are you – I'm assuming you're a skyline person, not a gold star person. Oh, blasphemous. Gold star, baby. You're a gold star person. Gold star. Because oh, here's why. Here's why. Interview over. <laughs> <laughs> you're dead to me. Here's why. I'm a northern Kentuckier. Okay. Right? And yeah. we North and when I was growing up in the eighties in Northern Kentucky, Skyline was a Cincinnati thing and Gold Star was the Northern Kentucky thing. Yeah, across the river. Yeah. Across the river. Yeah. So now it's funny, my we moved away and lived in Lexington for a while and um my sister lives in Colorado and now and and uh when she and the family come home we call it the Cincinnati extravaganza and the first stop for her has to be Skyline. Right. Right? Cuz that was a different it's a different growing up. It's a different um, you know, and, and we do Skyline and Montgomery Inn and, and Grater's ice cream. Yeah. 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 yeah but there's yeah. really only one ice cream. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's, that's like St. He, Louis saying we're going to go somewhere other than Ted Drew's, you know, like, you know, so, yeah. 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 And here's the other thing too, having spent time here, you'll appreciate this. I always hear from people who move here that you have to speak the language <laughs> and, and I would say, well, isn't that typical of every place? And they're like, oh, no, listen to a traffic report. Like, if you don't know what the cut in the hill, the Big Mac, the Lytle Tunnel, the Ronald Reagan, if you, they were like, you don't, guys, don't give numbers. You don't give, you know, you got five miles, you got five minutes to get down the cut in the hill. Yeah, to, every, you know, everything's named. Yes. Everything's named. Yeah. And everything is a shortcut name, Yeah. too. So cut across the, you know, cut across the lateral and you'll be able to, you'll get on Reagan faster. And I was like, oh gosh, yeah, we suck. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. When it comes, can't... when it comes to that stuff, when it comes to directions, I think they're right. I don't know if you guys necessarily have a language beyond that. That's unique, but definitely when you guys talk about going somewhere, yeah, there's oh, yeah. no, there's, <laughs> there's no way of deciphering uh, how that. And I don't know how before before technology, you know, before Waze and Google and right. all that stuff, I, I can't imagine a, a foreigner, a tourist coming into Cincinnati okay. and navigating their way through. Yeah, we're and we're also the only place where sun delay is a reason to be late to work. So, okay. <laughs> right? Sun delay. And you can tell who grew up here by whether or not they know if the Bradys were at Kings Island. Okay. That I don't, so, I don't know that one. 
Yeah, there's an episode of the Brady Bunch where they were at Kings Island. Okay. And that defined us. Like Oh, that so puts you on the map a little bit. Well, no, that 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 defined us as a generation. So oh, Gen X yeah, like, it, you would go to Kings Island and be like, a Scooby-Doo poster, Mr. Brady needs his plans, you know, and, like, run and do the whole thing. And now that, you know, kids now are like, not only, what was that, what's Brady Bunch, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and K- hey, Kings Island is fun and dangerous all in one. <laughs> oh, you never know who's going to die at Kings Island. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> man, well, Blake, what a, yeah, what a way to end it. Let's talk, you know. <laughs> You never know who's going to die at King's Island. Curtain call. So we're here at UIL One Act Play District in our district. We will not name the district. You can figure that out for yourself. And I have Alex Cannon. Yeah. STO. Formerly a state thespian officer. Yeah. And I've got uh, a thon. Is it a thon? It's Ethan. E- Ethan. Yes. <laughs> Ethan Mock. Um, not an STO. <laughs> That's true. He's just a one just, of the peons. Um, what is the most memorable thing you did as an STO? As an STO, probably opening ceremonies, because opening ceremonies was. I mean, it's been said by people who were STOs before us, but you only get so many times in life where you get ten thousand screaming high school theater kids in one room at one time singing to some song from Shrek that everyone seems to know the words to, and you get on stage and all of a sudden it's just like this big collaborative group where everybody's crazy and we're just okay with that because we're all we're all here because we love theater and we're all that's our that's our common goal yeah. and that's our common thing is just this love of theater, which I mean that was it was just incredible to see that many that many theater people because I mean when you when you're in your district or at your school you are it's the tight, mi- you are yeah, the minority. Tight knit group. Yeah, you are the minority. You can't really you can't go through the halls with the, you know your Letterman on being like <clears throat> yeah. So that theater comp last week was just you know that was tough. <laughs> so I mean it's 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 definitely a really cool thing when you can have a group of people where you can be unhidingly because I can't go and find the word uh, you yeah. unabashed on a bat yeah. on a bat yes of course <laughs> so. Um, First of all, to correct you, you you can probably go to a Smash Mouth concert <laughs> and sing along with something from Shrek with ten thousand teenagers. At least back in the nineties. So it's all gonna be just, people your age. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Well, yeah. It'll be it'll be a, it'll be a, a, a certain older, certain crowd. Older sure. demographic. Yeah, the demog- Thank you, demographic. Ethan is clearly the smarter one of the three of us. Okay. So, Ethan, yes. what's your favorite memory? Oh. At thespian convention. <laughs> oh God! At thespians, uh, not this past convention, but the previous one. My friend and I did a scene from Red by John Logan, and we had been stressing about this scene for months, but not actually doing anything about it. We just kept saying we need to rehearse, and then we never actually did it. Yeah. Um, and then we like, on the bus on the way there, we're running lines with each other, finding moments rehearsing. We're up till midnight the day before a competition rehearsing the scene. Um, and then we get there, and our teacher had had one of her friends come and critique us our scene before we did it, and then he was like, oh, we did the scene, and it was all right, and he critiqued us, and he was like, all right, well, uh, I'm going to go judge duet acting now in uh, Texas 2, and we're like, you're going to Texas 2? And you're like, yeah. And he's like, that's where we're going. So we walked into the room right after, and we with, see yeah, him. Practically with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we see him, and we're like, okay, all right, don't, don't, don't mess this up, because he had just seen us do it pretty yeah. well. Uh, we messed up. Yeah. really badly 
Uh, but we managed to squeak by with the like the bare minimum superior. Actually, one of the judges had given us a score in one category, give us, given us a two, crossed it out, and given us a three, which got us over wow. the edge. So it was like just barely making it uh, onto the International Thespian Festival. Um, but we learned our lesson from there, and then at ITF that summer, we got a perfect score. Perfect 60. Yeah, we got that 16-hour bus ride up to, uh, yeah, to Nebraska. To, to Lincoln. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Up. And yeah. then I did you know, not come back with y'all. You know, when I, was, when I was on tour with Straight No Chaser, we <laughs> set wheels up, and we meant it. We set wheels up, and we meant it. <laughs> did I say that on the yes. bus? Yeah, you said, <laughs> we have a group check. I was on tour for three up. years with, as a lighting designer for Straight, Straight No Chaser. No Chaser. I didn't know who those people were, and then I listened, and I was like, it's a group of men doing a cappella music. I thought it was like a show. Yeah, no... <laughs> Yes, it's a show. She made a whole acapella playlist on acapella, Spotify. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good, actually. Who's on, Spotify. on it? Uh, Straight, Straight No Chaser. Chaser is on it. There's Please. also a good deal of uh, really bad acapella. Pentatonics? Uh, mm, uh, ah, not, not good enough. There's not funny enough. I have a Wonderwall version, which is jazz. A jazz <laughs> Wonderwall acapella Wait, who? song. Pentatonics? No, it's... Straight, well, Straight No Chaser did a Wonderwall. Okay, but was but it, it was like kind of like it was okay. Listen, what I've learned is that really slow. the only people who do acapella albums are like Ivy League colleges. So it's like well, MIT logarithms. There's a little yeah, I'm do a little yeah. bit of oh, a, I know all those a name groups, drop. You know? are you well versed in the acapella uh -huh. community? Well. He had to be. He was with Straight No Chaser for three years. Three Writing designer years. on the road. But the Wonderwall version, if you know, if the people at home want to listen to it, it's the Sons of Pitches. Off of the album, not too shabby. Highly recommended. Listen to it through the end. Tell him I sent you. I'm sorry, Mr. J. Thomas, uh, famously known as uh, Minor Wizard, uh, is texting me. Uh, Has he been on the podcast? He was on the podcast. You aren't even caught up. Wow. I'm caught up. Wow. <laughs> is it the most recent? It, it is, is the most recent. Okay, I haven't listened to the most recent one. I'm oh, that's sorry. funny. I'm yeah. sorry. I thought we were doing our research before we did wow. this. You're really Listen. just making me look like a fool up here. I've listened to every other one, okay? Yeah. Good. You along with... 59 other people. Hey, um, flex. All right. This is going to be, I mean, this one's going to be huge. Well, yeah, Travis Scott's going to want this one. You, yeah, you're going to be on. Can we be on Ellen? You're going to, you're, can I finish? Luis Munoz, you know who that is? Yeah, he's I like the, for, the former Munoz. UIL director, right? Yeah, we'll check out. He interviewed me for a scholarship audition. I did not know did he would be in the room. Yeah, I got the scholarship. Wow. Literally. I walked I mean, in. We're college, you're a, yeah, college you're, men. You're a, a dirty blonde white male, yeah. six foot tall white male. Who that, could do yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, like, they're, they're clearly needing to give that scholarship out to a very unique individual. I'm actually 5'10", thank five you. 5'10", Don't hype me up. I can show up to 5'8". I walk in, I see these two people, and then I see Luis Munoz, and I sit, and I do my monologues, and then I sit down, and he's like, so why do you want this scholarship? And I'm like, I need well, the money. He's like, well, why do you need the money? And I was like, uh, I need to go to college. He's like, well, where are you going to college? I don't know yet. Where are you auditioning? Uh, Juilliard. Juilliard, huh? You gonna get in? I don't know, maybe. I didn't get in. They rejected me on the first day. They oh. rejected everybody in my audition group, actually. All 60 people. Went to the first audition. It was in the basement of a hotel in Chicago. And there were 60 people in the group when we all auditioned. And then the, the person running the audition, she called all of us out into this tiny little hallway. And she's like, thank you so much for coming. But the faculty have decided not to give out any callbacks today, which means none of you are no longer being considered oh. for admissions. Thank you. <laughs> and we're all like, did they fly you out there, or did you have to go? No, I went. Well, because I was auditioning for, like, ten others. Couples. It was Unified. Yeah. Yeah. It was Unified, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, Chicago okay. Unified. Yeah. I was like, man. You know, we're, yeah. we're serious about it. There, there was did one... you go? I did not go to Unified. Let me do my college plug really quick. All right. So, February, I uh, did all my uh, audition season. That's spelled uh, S-Z-N. 
Um, so I went up to uh, U of H, auditioned up at U of H, got into U of H, went to OU, boomer, uh, got into OU, and then I went to uh, Malloy uh, Cap 21 up in New York, um, got in there, uh, and then they offered me a full tuition, so it's kind of hard to say no to that. So. Smart guy. So that's where you're going? Probably. Malloy? Pro yeah. Don't quote me on that, of course, you know, you only have Yeah, you're not wearing recording. the hat for them, so, you know, <laughs> you're not, a, not the football player like... <laughs> Let me. You got three hats in front of you. No, okay. The, the, football, the, the football player just reminds me of. I don't know when you're listening to this viewer, but. Well, uh, first of all, they're not viewers. They're listeners. Listener. Listen, I'm Get sorry. the lingo. I, I thought we did our research before we came. God, I'm a fool. We had a great tweet from the uh, from the mountaintop that uh, Mr. Blake Miner brought down and shared with us. Uh, Which one? Something along the lines of uh, if football players oh. could only experience what UIL one act play people feel. That's a good tweet. And, yeah. You know, like you're that. talking about at uh, at Mr. Blake Miner. At yeah. Mr. Blake Miner, you know. Blake Miner. And I know that you can respond and you know reply to you on Twitter with any questions or you know, concerns they might have about the podcast. So that tweet is currently sitting at 178 likes. It's by far my most liked tweet. Oh, that's Dang. all. And what I said, and I quote: <laughs> "What would happen?" If football teams practiced for six to eight weeks, played one game, and then were told their season was over because they didn't play well enough. Yeah. So and that's, that's just that's that's, one act place. I like that yeah. so much because there are there's a lot less glory in theater at mm -hmm. a especially at a Texas high school um, for football players, and you know football players always like to act like oh you know what we do isn't really work mm -hmm. what we do is just you know kind of a hobby or whatever but it's it's a Big deal for us, obviously. Yeah. And it's incredibly more intense on an emotional and, and yes. psychological level. And I, I would assume it's it's e equally, if not more stressful, on the directors, because I know y'all are juggling... We have to care. Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> don't can't... know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But it's, it's... I mean, like, all day, like, I don't know if I can speak for Ethan, but, you know, you just have... Right before you go on, you get this charge, because yeah. oh, you know yeah. that the stakes are high. Yeah. What's, that, what's that called, Ethan? Adrenaline. 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 You do you do two months of rehearsal. Some people three months of rehearsal. You're staying after some school. schools twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah some schools start in September. You do all of these late nights and rehearsals, and you skip all these. You know, your social life kind of dwindles for this entire period. Yeah. Oh, and then it comes down yeah. to how do you perform in thirty five minutes in front of three people whose opinions matter on your show for it to advance? Yeah, which I mean, and it's all subjective because you can't. You can't, I know this is said a lot by Texas UIL people, but it's, no. you can't at the end of the day say, well, we scored more points than them, or we didn't score more points than them, because you can say, we did a great job, I think that's the best show we've ever done, I think that this is the absolute, you know, this is the peak of what we can do, and the judge can still look at that show and say, I wasn't really yeah. feeling it like that. No, that's what happened to us last year, we did... We brought out Spring Awakening, and it's just, we, we did a lot to get that show just approved to do, and then when we did it, we... we and we did this very expressionistic take on it, and we did we went all out on our tech, and we really focused on the acting, and we went to districts, and it was the best performance we ever had, and then we got seventh place. What is one element of your career in theater in high school that you feel you are going to take away and use in the future? Definitely my sophomore year. Uh, our, our play that year was The Miser, Molière, and... Um, I, I'd done theater since middle school, but it was never something I did seriously. Yeah, no, so theater's just, like, the thing I do. And so, uh, but then we had auditions for The Miser, and I didn't really know if I wanted to audition because we were starting rehearsals for that play two weeks before school started. I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it, but 
I dragged my ass out of bed and I memorized one of the monologues that he'd given us um, like the day before. And then I showed up to the audition and I was like, I did the monologue. I was like, okay, I think that went all right. And then we had callbacks the next day and I did some scene work. Um, and I was like, yeah, that went okay. Maybe I'll get like, I thought I was going to be Jayquees, who's one of the, or not Jayquees, Jacques. Um, Jayquees is a different play. Uh, Jacques, one of the supporting characters, he's like the chef. I'm sorry, I just know a lot of plays, okay? I have 170 <laughs> different plays in my own personal library. <laughs> How many do you have? What, two? 140. <laughs> but I didn't think I was going to be that big because I really didn't think my audition went that well. And then the cast list came out that night, uh, and I was the miser. And I was so shocked because I didn't even read for that part. He, like, Our director, he just casted me in that part, and it was this crazy part that I had never done before. Uh, intensely physical, and I, I was like, what, 16 years old, and I played a 65-year-old man, but also it's a farce. And so there's a lot of physical comedy and action going on. Um, and just being in that room every day and working hard uh, and, like, figuring out, like, what it is that I'm supposed to do as an actor and, like, you know, how one is supposed to behave in rehearsals uh, just kind of opened my eyes. And I was like, okay, this is what I have to do forever. So definitely the miser is my one thing. My colleague, Ethan Mock, who just rolled a chair and interrupted my entire thought, he said the word casted. I'd like to point cast. out on it's this cast. on this public Not ED, but cast. wait this public service the word is cast and much like a man under the age of forty five there is no ED so <laughs> I just want to make sure we're all clear on that and I know you know uh, Miner left the room uh, for a brief moment so I know coming back to this he's gonna laugh you know hysterically at that like he always does around the two of us um, but it's he's gonna hate us if you what do you what do you think okay let's you know what let's continue the podcast even though our uh, mm -hmm. our host is gone. I'll try to just, you know, throw a couple questions your way, just throw it into the book. I was going to show you how to interesting, like, you know, you, so for the majority of your high school theater career, you had one director change, right? Uh, I, I started with one director freshman year. Actually, mm -hmm. going back to middle school, I had three different teachers, three oh, different wow. theater teachers, three years. Freshman year, we had one director. Sophomore year, we got a new director. Mm -hmm. Junior year, we got another director to be with that director that mm -hmm. was already there. So this is the first year in my theater educational career where we've actually had consistency in the directorial position which means I mean which is, is good on on the one hand where you get to work with a lot of styles and different people a lot of different a lot of different ways to view a script and to stage a show I mean blocking techniques and you know what kind of visions they have for the show yeah but it, I mean it's it's I feel like and I'm sure that you because I know you guys yeah. have had some directorial changes you miss that one-on-one -on -one connection that you get with the director like, I mean, um, Mr. Minor here is uh, a small uh, god, very well appreciated, and he's been here for, I don't know, he's old, I would say like 35 years, who knows. Sounds about right. But he, he cultivates with the students this kind of camaraderie as a director, where he, I mean, even with us, who are not in his troupe and who are just people in the district, there's just this camaraderie that you get that I don't get, or I did not have the opportunity to get yeah. with my own directors. I mean, Ethan, I don't know if you yeah. feel the same no, way. No, I, I definitely feel the same way. Um, my, my freshman year, I came in, and they had had the same two directors there for a couple years at that point, maybe three, and the head director who was there had been there for ten years, about. Um, and then the assistant director from my freshman year left, but the head director who had been there forever, he was still there. And we got a new assistant, and she was fantastic, and... Uh, the, our new assistant and the, the, our head, they worked together so well. It was like a dream team almost. And then our head director left because he was like, you know what, I finally have, 
I, I get to leave this in, in the right person's hands. So our assistant moved up and became the new head, and we got a new assistant, but then he got... He uh, he just I, I I think the big thing for him is he was coming from middle school and he just wasn't ready. Yeah. He was not ready for to make the jump, um, and so he resigned at the end of the year. Um, and then our head our director who was there we were like you know what but she's gonna stay you know she's gonna stick through the year. She quit over the summer, so we're scrambling to find or the, our our school is scrambling to find new directors. So we had two brand new directors this year, and in all my years of high school and back in middle school I I only had the same directing team for one year that was my sixth to seventh grade year i had the same director but eighth grade i got a new one and then in terms of directing teams i always had different ones and I, i've never had more than i've never had one director for more than two years ethan and i really just dropped some uh, some major wisdom minor wisdom